Welcome to the Deep Roots at Home podcast. For those of you new here, the Deep Roots at Home website was founded by Jackie in 2011. As a retired RN, longtime homeschooler, past Lyme sufferer with a love of preventative natural medicinals, Jackie has encouraged women for years now. Our desire is to spread truth and important information during these recent deceptive times, as well as the practicals of homemaking and all things beautiful. Whether you are listening in the car, while you're making dinner for your children, or sitting with a relaxing cup of tea, welcome to the podcast. In this episode, we're going to be talking about natural ways to induce labor if it's time to urge your baby to make his or her appearance. We're also going to be talking about the uses of vitamin C and studies that show it can actually uh, shorten your labor and reduce stretch marks and all kinds of other benefits. So stay tuned. These days, more and more pregnant moms are opting to induce labor instead of waiting for labor to happen on its own. Even those who've had healthy pregnancies with no complications are encouraged to move things along before they've even hit the 40-week mark. Some in their 38th week are encouraged to schedule their induction in the 39th week or even before. If the mamas do reach their due date, the pressure increases. And if, by 41 weeks labor, has not begun on its own, then there's almost certainly a push to start labor artificially. The reasons for induction can be simply because the mama is tired and uncomfortable or feels social pressure to have this baby sooner rather than later. Other mothers are afraid of having a big baby, but keep in mind that it is challenging to accurately tell the baby's true size in the last month or so of pregnancy. Time and time again, researchers have found that it's very difficult to predict a baby's size before it is born. Both the care provider's estimate of the baby's size and ultrasound results are unreliable. Researchers found ultrasound was accurate less than 50%. In three studies that were done, the accuracy of ultrasounds to protect extra-large babies was only 22% to 37%. If you are considering induction, whether it's artificial or natural, first consider your Bishop score. What is a Bishop score? A Bishop score is a way to determine how ripe a woman's body is and how receptive she will be towards induction. The things that are looked at in a Bishop score are, is the cervix dilating at all? Is the cervix effacing at all? What is the consistency of the cervix? What is the baby's station? The more the mother's body is naturally ripe for labor, the higher the Bishop score will be and the more likely the induction will be successful. Inducing too early with a low Bishop score can bring about unwanted interventions and lead towards more complications in labor and delivery. Evidence-based birth has some fantastic information on the pros and cons of inducing labor that I would encourage you to check out in making your decision. So let's talk about ways to induce labor in the hospital. One of the first ways the hospital will want to induce labor, especially if you're not dilated at all, is to use a chemical to soften the cervix. We're gonna first talk about Cytotec. Now, this is one that most of the hospitals use, but the FDA has not approved Cytotec or misoprostol for labor induction. 
Contrary to popular notion, it's legal in the U.S. and in other countries to use drugs off-label. What most people, including many midwives, may not know is that with the exception of oxytocin and cervidil, almost all drugs used in obstetrics are presented, are prescribed off-label. This means there may be experimentation with drugs on pregnant women, and women often won't be aware that the drug prescribed for them is experimental in labor. If a drug turns out to have some harmful side effects, it's very difficult to learn about. The FDA website confirms this when you look under the FDA alert, Risk and Uses in Labor and Delivery of Cytotec. This patient information sheet is for pregnant women who may receive misoprostol to soften their cervix or induce contractions to begin labor. Cytotec is sometimes used to decrease blood loss after delivery of a baby. These uses are not approved by the FDA. No company has sent the FDA scientific proof that misoprostol is safe and effective for these uses. There can be serious side effects, including a torn uterus, when misoprostol is used for labor and delivery. A torn uterus may result in severe bleeding, having the uterus removed, hysterectomy, and death of the mother or baby. These side effects are more likely in women who have had previous uterine surgery, a previous cesarean section, or several previous births. Having said all of this, I will say that many people have used Cytotec successfully and had healthy, happy labors and births with their baby. But as always, just use caution and be aware as you proceed. Another alternative to Cytotec is Cervidil. Now, Cervidil is approved by the FDA, and it is a safer, albeit artificial, way to soften the cervix and begin labor. However, it is more expensive and not all hospitals carry it, so be sure to speak with your healthcare provider to see if that is an option. Another option is a Foley bulb or a Cook catheter. This may be inserted into the vagina. The Foley inflates like a balloon and mechanically stretches the cervix to help bring along dilation. The Foley bulb is a valid alternative for those who want to avoid chemicals, since it merely stretches and encourages the cervix to dilate. It is, however, only an option until you are dilated to around 3 centimeters, because after that, the Foley bulb will just fall out. Number four, Pitocin is a synthetic form of the natural hormone oxytocin. When it is medically necessary to induce, it can be very useful. However, it is essential to be aware of the risks of Pitocin and the increase in interventions that can occur when you use it. Check out the Deep Roots at Home original article to this post to see an articles that explain Pitocin, hemorrhage, high blood pressure, and low APGAR scores. A survey of first-time moms with term births found that 61% of women who went into labor spontaneously asked for an epidural. In contrast, 78% of women who were induced asked for an epidural. Those who had induction and epidural were six times more likely to have a C-section than those who had neither. Number five, breaking of the water. Using a plastic amniotic hook, the practitioner will go up and gently break the bag of waters or the amniotic sac. Breaking the water is painless and considered one of the more non-invasive ways of augmenting labor, but it's not recommended to try to begin labor that way. It is important to be informed and consider the ramifications before you take this step. Once your water is broken, some doctors will strictly enforce a 24-hour protocol, where if the baby's not been born within that time, or at least you are not in active labor at that time, they will begin to talk about a C-section. 
Once your water is broken, you are more prone to infection, so limiting vaginal exams is essential. Once your water is broken, the contractions can be much stronger. This is because there's no longer the cushion that was there before between the baby and the cervix. All these things being said, if you have tried all the other natural remedies, then gone to the Foley bulb and baby is nice and low in the pelvis, this might be considered as the next step if you're trying to avoid using chemicals. A word of caution, always request your doctor break your water in an upright or semi-upright position rather than being flat on your back. Using gravity like this reduces the risk of cord prolapse. Once you are in labor, remember, a first-time mother's labor can be very long. This is normal and the way God designed it. It's easy for moms to become discouraged or pressured by the doctor who wants to move things along. But according to studies, the dilation rate can be as slow as a half a centimeter dilation per hour, and sometimes it's even longer than that. It's also not uncommon to have things go slow for a little while, and then all of a sudden things pick up at much more rapid speed. Very Well Family has an informative article on average labor times. It says that for the first stage of labor, it can be 12 to 19 hours. The contractions occur causing effacement and dilation of the cervix from around 4 to 10 centimeters. And then the second stage of labor can be anywhere, that is pushing your baby out, can be anywhere from 20 minutes to 2 hours. And then the third stage of labor, which is your placenta being delivered, can be anywhere from 5 to 30 minutes. So let's recap. If you're going to have a hospital induction and this is your first baby and very little dilation has occurred, more than likely these are the steps that will be taken. They will ask you to come in in the evening before the day that your baby will probably be born. This is so they can start the ripening agent and allow your body to ripen overnight while you try to sleep and relax and wait for the big event. The next morning, after the ripening agent has done its work of starting the effacement and softening the cervix, then they will start Pitocin. If this is the route that you are going, make sure that they start Pitocin at a slow, easy rate of no more than two, um, two numbers per hour of increase. And then at some point, after contractions have established a ready pattern and the Pitocin has been slowly ramping up, at some point the doctor will probably suggest that your water be broken to further speed things along. This is the normal pattern of induction. Now let's talk about nine natural ways to induce labor. If you are naturally minded and you may not want to use chemicals to induce labor, and maybe you have waited and you're overdue and you're on a time crunch where your midwife is not able to deliver the baby if you go any later, or for other reasons you need to move things along, then there are natural things that you can do to try to encourage baby to make its appearance. Having a baby is one of the most wonderful experiences of your life. It is the most joyous journey, but it also can be a bit overwhelming, intimidating, and even scary. The Intentional Childbirth Comprehensive Childbirth Preparation Classes are designed to assist you along every step of the way. Learn from the comfort of your own home with doula and childbirth educator Jenny Irvin. These live online Zoom sessions are tailored specifically for you. 
You can birth with intention, feel supported and confident, and ready and prepared as you enter this new season of your life. Whether this is your first baby or your eighth, this class is for you. Enjoy our many additional resources, pregnancy and postpartum tips, and there's lots of helps for dads too. Contact Jenny for more information at Jenny at intentionalchildbirth.com. That's Jenny at intentionalchildbirth.com or text 864-200-8836. 864-200-8836. Let us help you have the birth of your dreams. The first thing would be membrane sweeping or cervical massage. During a membrane sweep, the doctor or the midwife will sweep along the edge of the amniotic sac, separating it with their fingers from the uterine lining. Doing this stimulates the release of prostaglandins, which in turn can start labor. This can be a very effective way of moving things along if the body is ripe and ready to begin labor. It can be done more than once if it's not effective the first time. It is uncomfortable for a short time but it is a viable alternative to get things going. Your doctor or midwife can also give a cervical massage, which can stimulate the cervix further to begin dilation. Nipple stimulation. Rubbing and rolling your nipples manually or using a breast pump stimulates the hormone oxytocin, which in turn can bring on contractions. According to a study, 50% of women in Japan use nipple stimulation to help induce labor. Check out bellybelly.com seven steps for nipple stimulation to induce labor. This is a very viable way to help either induce labor that has not started or help labor move along that maybe is stalling or going slower than you'd want it to. Then there's something called the midwife's brew or labor cocktail to induce labor. The midwife's brew is said to have an 80% success rate and many doulas and midwives and moms will attest to this. While using castor oil is never fun, this recipe has the perfect blend to mitigate the adverse side effects commonly associated with it. The almond butter in the recipe coats the stomach, allowing the castor oil to stimulate contractions without the violence that can sometimes occur. The midwife's brew recipe is 10 ounces of apricot juice, 8 ounces of pure lemon verbena tea, 2 tablespoons of castor oil, and 2 tablespoons of almond butter. You boil some water and brew the tea. Make sure you brew it pretty strong. Mix all ingredients into a blender and blend until the almond butter is smooth, no chunks. Pour into a glass and drink the full concoction on an empty stomach. Mommy labor nurse says it's more effective at room temperature, slightly warm, but it is totally fine to drink it over ice if you can't stomach it warm. A few more natural ways to induce labor is sexual relations. Just as nipple stimulation can stimulate oxytocin, intimate sex and orgasm can also bring about those hormones necessary to push a woman into labor. Semen has prostaglandins in it. In fact, it has been said that cervidil is actually made from animal semen. And then there are different labor herbs. Birthwise Birth Center has an article on labor induction where they share some tips. Dr. Christopher's Birth Prep is an herbal formulation in capsule form to be taken during the last six weeks of pregnancy. While this isn't instantly gratifying, it can be a way to avoid prolonged pregnancy. Evening primrose oil increases prostaglandin production in your body, which helps to soften the cervix in preparation for an earlier and easier labor and birth. Beginning at week 36, take 500 milligrams daily, increase to 1,000 milligrams in the 37th week, 
then to 1,500 milligrams in the 38th week, and then to 2,000 milligrams until labor begins. Blue cohosh and black cohosh. Blue cohosh is a uterine-stimulating herb used in tincture form to regulate the contraction pattern. Do not take if your blood pressure is high. Black cohosh works to initiate contractions. These are best taken in alternating doses in order to bring on contractions and regulate their pattern. These herbs can be taken up to one week prior to slowly initiate labor, or they can be taken more frequently for a faster induction. As always, talk to your healthcare provider prior to starting any herbs. And then fourthly, from Birthwise Birth Center, cumin seed tea is a powerful uterine tonic used to induce labor. One teaspoon of cumin seed to one cup of boiling water. Steep for 10 minutes and drink one cup every couple of hours. Do not exceed one cup per hour. An important piece of the puzzle when you want to naturally induce labor is chiropractic care. Making sure your pelvis is aligned and the baby is in perfect position can make all the difference in encouraging labor to start. Using the Webster technique, a chiropractor can be an important part of your arsenal for labor induction. While it won't put you into labor if you're not ready, chiropractic care can tip you over the edge when it is the right time. Caution, even if you have a chiropractor you absolutely love, please make sure that you use one who has had the extra two years of extra education for pregnancy and infants. Otherwise, they could inadvertently be tightening the ligaments that are meant to loosen for birth. To find a chiropractor near you, go to the deeprootsathome.com forward slash natural ways to induce labor forward slash for, for the site that will help you find a chiropractor near you. And then just like chiropractic care and the Webster technique, Spinning Babies is an excellent resource for exercises to help get your baby rotated into the proper position and engaged. If the baby remains high or is not aligned properly, this can inhibit labor. Check out this article with important exercises you can do if you are overdue or want to engage the baby. Again, the article is on the Deep Roots at Home site. No matter where you are in your pregnancy, doing their daily essentials will help your body thrive in pregnancy and prepare for labor. The mile circuit is another exercise to help get the baby into optimal performance, optimal position, and encourage labor to progress. Homeopathy to induce labor. DrFetter.com, along with many of these same recommendations, has suggested for homeopathy when seeking to begin labor. But ScienceDirect.com states two homeopathic remedies for labor. These are, and I do not know how to pronounce these, Kimikimifuja, homeopathic black cohosh, and Colophyllum, homeopathic blue cohosh, which are believed to act directly on the uterus and cervix. These remedies have a long history of use around the world for labor stimulation, especially in Europe and India. Check out from RemedySeeker.com the free PDF that can be helpful for homeopathic guidance during pregnancy and also postpartum and breastfeeding. And again, all of these links are on the original blog post, which will be posted at the bottom of this show. Spicy foods and dates. Eat spicy foods such as peppers and curries in your diet. Not only will they have health benefits, but researchers discovered that the women who ate six dates a day for four weeks had a shorter first stage of labor, a higher mean cervical dilation, and more had intact membranes upon arrival at the hospital. In other words, their cervix was riper for giving birth.
96% of the women who ate dates experienced spontaneous labor, compared with only 79% of those who didn't eat dates. In more recent study, researchers found that the date eaters had significantly less need for medical intervention to induce or expedite, expedite labor, compared to those who didn't eat any dates. More research is needed to confirm it would benefit all women. But it sure wouldn't hurt to nibble on a few for a few days leading up to your due date. Hopefully these tips will help you feel confident to resist the temptation to induce too early if there's no medical necessity. And hopefully this article has given you the tools to help bring about a safe, healthy labor and delivery without unnecessary interventions. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. 1 Peter 2, 2 2-3. to vaccines, most mothers and fathers want to know facts, not others' opinions. Jackie wished she had known more facts when she went in for her first well-baby visit. Because Jackie strongly promotes parental choice, she felt led to write a short treatise with personal facts. This vaccination ebook is pretty concise to allow you, the parent, to read, research into the studies she shares, and come up with your own decisions. Jackie's sincere desire is that you and your children thrive, and so she presents to you the vaccination ebook free of charge. Simply go to deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. That's deeprootsathome.com forward slash vital dash info dash ebook forward slash. This next article is from Jackie's original article, Can High-Dose Vitamin C Shorten Labor, Lessen Pain, and Stretch Marks? Megadoses of vitamin C have been used by medical doctors to make childbirth labor shorter and less painful, and according to a 1979 report, there were even more benefits. I bring you this illuminating article from Let's Live magazine, October 1979, because we've been steered away from old knowledge to the detriment of both mother and baby. You may remember the medical establishment vilified Nobel Prize winner Linus Pauling for letting the cat out of the bag that high-dose vitamin C was curative for many health conditions. See pertinent-linked vitamin C or ascorbic acid studies below for some interested in doing their own research. And again, you can find this on the show notes at the bottom of, of this podcast. Only a handful of knowledgeable doctors are still familiar with the virtues of this important vitamin in pregnancy. Working separately, they have achieved the same successful results. First is Dr. William Sackerman, a general practitioner in San Diego and instructor at the University of California. He reports, the ordeal of labor in the case of vitamin C pregnancies is definitely shorter and less painful with women having first babies. The average time in labor is approximately five to six hours compared to the non-vitamin C deliveries around 15 to 16 hours. The megadose has cut the time to less than half. The birth canal of the vitamin C mother is more elastic. We find, therefore, a marked reduction in an incident of laceration and tearing during the delivery. The incident of stretch marks is also markedly reduced, too. We also find the mother returns to normal much more rapidly. Dr. Sackerman's observations are based on approximately 500 pregnancies and deliveries that he conducted in 10 years' time. A similar story comes from Dr. Robert S. Scott, MD, 
head of the Southern California Women's Medical Group in Los Angeles, and a clinical professor of obstetrics and gynecology at the University of Southern California. Dr. Scott says, I estimate that more than 500 patients of mine have been put on the big doses of vitamin C, and what I see as a result is shorter labor. Rarely do I see stretch marks. I've seen no adverse reactions to the vitamin C and never a deformed baby when the mother was on this program. The babies are healthy, pink, and squalling. In Australia, Dr. Archie Kalokaranos, medical officer for the government-funded Aboriginal Medical Service, says he's observed marvelous results with very high doses of vitamin C for pregnancies. There isn't much doubt about it, he says. The incidence of long labor, stress during labors, retained placenta, and other normal complications are reduced quite considerably. Over a five-year period beginning in 1971, he followed closely some 300 pregnancy cases in which he put the mothers to be on high doses of vitamin C, as high as 30 grams a day. Yes, this is what they did. The vitamin C babies, and I quote, were marvelous, and that was often so amazing is that many of the mothers I worked with were poverty-level individuals. A large number of them were alcoholics, ate very poorly, and no matter how hard I tried, I could not correct this problem. Nevertheless, what I found was that by supplementing them with vitamin C, they actually produced babies that were healthier than a lot of the newborns in the general community. And as the babies were growing, they showed fewer problems in infancy than other babies. To me, this has been always quite incredible. Even if we couldn't correct the diet, just a simple supplementation was doing so much good. The findings of these medical men provide solid validation to the Lone Ranger work done more than 15 years ago by Fred R. Klenner, MD, the pioneering practitioner of vitamin C therapy in the United States. Dr. Klenner closely studied 322 consecutive pregnancies over a number of years. Klenner's patients took daily oral doses of vitamin C according to the following schedule four grams during the first trimester, six grams during the second trimester, and from 10 to 15 grams during the last trimester. Dr. Klenner says, the process of pregnancy drains ascorbic acid, vitamin C, from the mother. Stress depletes the body of vitamin C and pregnancy is a normal stress factor. So requirements of vitamin C are multiplied many times. We humans don't produce our own ascorbic acid like most animals do, and that's why we have to provide it. And that is why in stress situations like disease and pregnancy, it is so necessary to go into higher doses. If you don't, you open the door to all kinds of problems and infections. Originally, the, da the daily dietary allowance of vitamins and minerals was based on levels found to prevent deficiency diseases. In the case of vitamin C, deficiencies related to scurvy. The recommendation for adults was set at 45 milligrams a day. For pregnant women, the recommendation was set at 60 milligrams per day. If you remember your conversion tables, you'll know that 1,000 milligrams makes one gram. It's pretty clear that the advocates of multi-gram levels of vitamin C are operating on a completely different level from that of the medical orthodoxy that set the recommendations at the bare minimum. One is concerned with optimal health, and the other is just with the basics to prevent a deficiency disease. Compare this to the 60 milligrams RDA recommendation, and the disparity is shocking, and it's true. Popular one-a-day prenatal, prenatal contains only 60 milligrams of vitamin C. Smarty Pants contains 48 milligrams, and many contain none at all. This is derelict and irresponsible. You can prevent scurvy at that level, says Dr. Sackerman. 
but it isn't sufficient to be of any benefit at the cellular level, and we do live at the cellular level. All the cells in our body are dependent upon ascorbic acid. Work done over the years has shown that there is essentially no, tex- no toxicity connected with the large doses. And this is fact-checked by the NIH, which states vitamin C has low toxicity and is not believed to cause serious adverse effects at high intakes. So I, I urge my parents, my, excuse me, so I urge my patients to use more vitamin C. We start them slowly with one gram, two to three times a day, and increase the doses tolerated until we get them up to five grams or more. There is a high level of problems associated with infants born in this country, and we don't know why. We are beginning to think nutrition and lifestyle may have a great deal to do with it. Although we are a very rich country, we have developed some poor dietary habits. That's why I feel it is super important but my patients to put them on a well-balanced diet along with supplementation and the large doses of vitamin C. I want to have as many factors working for the mother and the baby inside as possible. After childbirth, I urge my patients to continue on high levels. When they begin to notice the good effects, they become real believers if they, have, if they haven't been totally convinced already. It's more effective than any drug in the pharmaceutical, he says of vitamin C. During his career, Dr. Klenner handled about 2,500 pregnancies, of which about 1,000 included varying higher degrees of vitamin C supplementation. This gives me a basis for comparison, he said. In the very beginning, I was not into vitamin C, but as I began using it more and more, I found it definitely was a significant factor in pregnancy. Vitamin C has anti-fatigue power. It assists in the metabolism of proteins in both mother and baby. During pregnancy and childbirth, the vitamin C maintains the elasticities of the connective tissues of the perineum. The perineum gives much more easily and more safely when the patient has had higher doses of vitamin C. As a result, most of the time, I've been with women in labor only three to four hours. That's cutting the usual time of labor in half. When you reduce the time and increase the elasticity of the perineum, you you effectively decrease the pain. Dr. Klenner noted that among his vitamin C mothers, the perineum returned to a virginal-like condition after delivery. And what mother wouldn't be pleased about that? So let's look at the vital work of vitamin C or ascorbic acid in pregnancy. Number one, it has antioxidant properties, which fights infections, protective from toxins and other damage. Number two, it prevents endothelial dysfunction leading to varicose veins. Number three, it builds collagen, which is an important structural component of the walls of the veins and bones. This is crucial in the maintenance of collagen, which represents about one-third of the total body protein. Number four, it's important in synthesis and metabolism of tyrosine, folic acid, tryptophan, hydroxylation of glycine, proline, lysine carnitine, and catecholamine. Number five, in addition to enhancing Norheim iron absorption in the gut, ascorbic can regulate cellular iron uptake and metabolism. High-dose vitamin C therapy pioneered by Dr. Frederick R. Klenner has been shown to prevent postpartum hemorrhages, cardiac fetal distress, shorten labor, and reduce labor pain. And number seven, it prevents placental oxidative stress. Ascorbic acid significantly improves and protects embryonic development in mice. Number eight, pharmaceutical doses of ascorbic acid have been reported to exert anti-cancer activity 
in vitro and in vivo. Along with vitamin E, it strengthens the blood vessels of the placenta, thereby providing more oxygen to the fetus and lowering the risk of placental abruption. And number 10, it improves the skin's elasticity. Therefore, it may lessen stretch marks. Dr. Suzanne Humphreys also recommends this sodium ascorbic form of vitamin C for her whooping cough patients. And in closing, both Jackie and Jenny would remind you that they are not professional doctors. They are mothers. They do seek scientific confirmation of the safety and effectiveness of the herbs and remedies that they use. But using remedies and applying these suggestions is a personal decision. Nothing on these podcasts should be intended to treat or prevent disease. Consult your own doctor. In these troubling times, it's no secret that we are being censored. It's getting harder and harder to spread the truth. Facebook is throttling us, and we don't know how much longer we will be there. Here are a few things you can do to stay in touch with Deep Roots at Home. Firstly, sign up for our newsletter. Jackie sends out exclusive, important content to her readers. The link will be in the show notes. Number two, consider making Deep Roots at Home your homepage in your browser. Number three, print your favorite Deep Roots at Home articles and place them in a binder to have on hand in case of emergency. And finally, follow us on other social media channels. We are now on Telegram and Gab and soon Truth Social. Jackie's greatest desire is that God would be glorified through these dark times. Thanks for joining us on the Deep Roots at Home podcast. We pray it has encouraged you in your walk with the Lord and as you serve your family. Could you do us a favor? If this has blessed you, could you help us spread the word by liking and sharing this podcast with your friends? And don't forget, we have lots of great links in the show notes that go along with today's podcast. See you next time.